thankful that you uh, guys can make it. Grateful that we can gather and thank you all. I, I do seriously want to thank you guys for being flexible. Um, if there's anything we've probably learned the past couple years is that sometimes you've got to bend a little, even if it hurts. And uh, so I'm grateful, though, that we could gather today. We want to make sure that we keep everyone safe. So just a couple quick reminders. We won't be having service tonight. Um, now, tonight we did have scheduled several things. We were going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, have a, a baby dedication, the Lord's Supper, and a baptism. So all three of those have been pushed to next Sunday night. So uh, unless we have some sort of other snow apocalypse or anything, we're planning on next Sunday night uh, to be able to have that. So mark that down on your calendar. And I want you to do me a favor. All right, I want you to pray for one more soul this week to say, I need to get baptized. All right? Y'all pray, all right? And if it don't happen, then I'm going to know you didn't pray. All right? <laughs> so y'all pray with me this week. We're going to pray that the Lord gives us just one more uh, to add to it and that God would, uh, would use it. But if you uh, need to get baptized or have questions about it, come by, see me, call me, text me, send a smoke signal, something. And uh, we can make sure that uh, we can get you dunked and everything. Uh, but we're grateful for what God is doing. Um, I want to remind you as well, uh, we will be back in for Wednesday night, and we've been running it just to make sure you know that our Wednesday night Bible studies are now back on Wednesday nights, if that makes sense, okay? If you understand, you understand. If you don't, then come Wednesday, and then you'll understand. Um, but uh, this Wednesday, just a little plug, we'll be starting um, Genesis chapter 3. And so we've been going through Genesis now for a couple, couple weeks, <laughs> right? If you come, you understand, then been a little, little bit. Uh, but we're starting Genesis 3 this week, and I promise you, you don't want don't to miss it. But um, I can't forget this announcement, and we're going to have this probably a couple times here, but there will be a meeting after the service, afternoon service, we'll scratch that morning part, uh, for those interested in being part of a choir for specials and or Easter service, all right? We're planning on, let the cat out of the bag a little bit, to have a, an Easter choir, sort of a mini cantata. Um, now, I've had many of y'all say about having choir, seeing the choir, that sort of thing. So, if that's you, here's your opportunity. If not, it won't happen, all right? So, if you want a choir, or want to sing in the choir, stop by, and we want to try to get some interest today, and just to get a few numbers, and uh, we're going to start getting, uh, with JL and everything, going to start getting practices in starting sometime in February. So, be on the lookout, listen for announcements, but if you can sing, and even if you can't, you are qualified, all right? And we'd love to have you, and I believe that the Lord will bless you. Uh, next Saturday, February the 5th, we're going to be having a men's prayer breakfast. How many men we got here? All right, make some noise if you're a man, some sort of grunt. All right, there we go. <laughs> Bunch of Neanderthals. Okay, perfect. Um, well, uh, I want to encourage and invite each one of you, all right? And you cannot say you have not been invited. This is your formal invitation. All right, it's even in writing right here. If you're a man, you're invited. Uh, next Saturday at 8 o'clock, men's prayer breakfast. Join us back here in the fellowship hall. Um, we're going to have breakfast. And by breakfast, I mean whatever you bring to share with everybody, that's what we're going to eat. So if you don't bring nothing, then we're going to be having fast and prayer only. We're not going to have breakfast. But we'd love to have breakfast. And uh, we're definitely going to have prayer and a time to kind of uh, just iron sharpening iron. And so I encourage each man, if you can, Come out and just enjoy some fellowship, and it'll be a great opportunity to get to, to know each other. And worst case scenario, it's an opportunity to eat some breakfast food, and men love breakfast food. Amen? All the bacon and all the eggs possible. All right. Uh, but uh, lots of stuff happening, lots of things going on, but I'm just grateful today that we can gather and we can worship the Lord. And so uh, let's, let's go ahead and let's pray this morning. Let's ask the Lord to 
um, just move amongst us and to encourage us, uh, to convict us if that's what we need, but um, to ultimately that in all things today that we would glorify and honor God. He is worthy today of every ounce of worship that we have, and I pray that your heart as well as mine would be ready uh, to worship Him in all things that we do. Uh, Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for this time. Thank You for this day and grateful that we can gather, uh, that we can worship You. Uh, Lord, I pray, God, that You would uh, encourage us and, and, and convict us, Lord. Lord, do a work in our hearts, God, that, that only You are able through Your Word and through Your Spirit. I pray, God, that You would prepare our hearts as well, God, and uh, not just the men, but every family, every home, Lord, for the things that You're doing in this church. Lord, this is Your church, and God, You're doing a great work through it, and I believe that, that great things are in store. So, God, help us to... Uh, to be on board, to be humble, to be uh, submissive to your will and to your word, God, so that we would be used of you in a great and mighty way, especially in this community and in our homes. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us today, God, that you would uh, move amongst us, Lord, that you would fill me, fill each person here today with your spirit. Lord, if there's one today who does not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray today that you would bring uh, Holy Ghost conviction and save that that soul. Lord, I pray for for just one more soul, God, uh, to say that they need to to submit to you in believer's baptism, God, and to uh, pronounce uh, with this outward action of what you've done inwardly in their heart. God, I pray that you would continue to do a work in us, and God, that we would continue to seek your face in all things, Lord, that we would make much of you, Lord, to know you and to make you known. God, we want to lift up as well today, Lord, our, our dear sister, uh, Bonnie, Lord, who's, who's on the ventilator, Lord. She's not doing well, Lord. It's according to our standards, according to our science and our medical expertise, Lord, she's not doing well, but God, we know that ultimately you can do a great and a mighty work. We pray today, God, that you would reach down and touch her body. Lord, that you would rid her of her infection. Lord, that you would um, bring about healing. And God, I pray that you would be with her dear husband, Lord, and and encourage him and uh, the family, Lord. And God, that we would sincerely pray uh, for for the miraculous, Lord, and to believe. And God, that you would do so, Lord, to demonstrate your power and your authority over all things. But Lord, nevertheless, we thank you for a testimony for all those who know you that God, to, to live as Christ, to die as gain, and to be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. God, I pray that you would help us today, God, that you would strengthen us and encourage us, and God, that everything that we say and do, everything that will be sung, every ounce of fellowship that we have today, God, would glorify and honor you, Lord. We thank you and praise you for this time, and we give it over to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. If you're able, please stand. As we sing, In My Heart There Rings a Melody. 502 in the hymnal, if you prefer to go by it. And Colossians 3.16 says, Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And that's what we're doing right now. We're singing to the Lord. In my heart there rings a melody. I have a song that Jesus gave me, it was sent from heaven above, there never was a sweeter melody, this a melody of love, in my heart there rings a melody, there rings a melody with heaven's harmony. There rings a melody of love. I love the Christ who died on Calvary, for he washed my sins away. He put within my heart. 
with heaven's harmony. In my heart there rings a melody, there rings a melody of love. When God saves us, he puts a new song in our heart, and I can testify to that. And he also puts a melody in our heart, and I can testify to that, and hope you can too. Give thanks, hymn number 170. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Psalm 126.3. Sing, give thanks, as if you were glad. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. Give thanks to the grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's Jesus is coming again. I love singing this song because it encourages my heart and blesses my heart for he is coming again. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Spoken by Jesus Christ in John 14, 3. Jesus is coming again. Marvelous message we bring, glorious carol we sing, wonderful word of the King, Jesus is coming again, coming again, coming again. Trial and 
It's greeting time. Have a good number out this morning. I'm pleased to see that. Wave, welcome, <laughs> smile, say hello. Don't say goodbye yet. It's not time to do that. And after you do all that and you made everyone feel welcome, you may be seated. Okay, we have some special music now. Stephen Dalton and Ashley Prim, right? Is that it? Duo. sidekick back. <laughs> See if I can remember how to play this thing. <laughs> Sins. 
Appreciate that. That's a beautiful message in that song. Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Amen. Well, join with me in prayer as we go to the Lord and ask for his help here today in worshiping him in the preaching of the word and singing of songs and healing of the sick. Miss Bonnie, she's always sending out nice little cards and stuff over Facebook. I miss that. She hadn't done that in two weeks. And uh, she's been a blessing to me, so let's remember her in prayer as well. And, and jury, they've been through some rough times here recently, so let's pray. Our Father, our God, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for all your blessings, daily benefits. Lord, all your many thoughts toward us. We thank you, Lord, for everything you, you give us. And, Lord, everything you do for us. And, Lord, we could do nothing without you. You're the vine and we're the branches, Lord. And you said we could do nothing without you. So we praise you and thank you and ask you, Lord, to help us to do things that you want done, to serve you, to honor you, to glorify you in our life, in our walk, and in our talk. We ask, Lord, that you would help us here today to continue in singing. May it please you. And it's for your honor and your glory. We sing praise unto you to glorify you, Lord. We, we just ask, Lord, you continue to help us. And we ask, Lord, you bless our pastor. Fill him, Lord, with uh, your spirit. And uh, give him liberty and unction and power and clearness of thought and speech and boldness. Give him boldness to preach your word, preach your truth. And, Lord, help us. Lord, be attentive and listen and obey things from your word here today and always. Lord, we lift up Miss Bonnie and, and Jerry. We know Miss Bonnie is really sick. We ask, Lord, you touch her. And, Lord, just uh, give her strength and a healing that only you can. We pray, Lord, that the medicines and things that she's on in the hospital would be effective. And, Lord, bring her out of this sickness and Restore her back to good health. And, Lord, we'll, we'll be faithful and careful to give you all the praise, honor, and glory for whatever you do in her life. Remember all the others, Lord, that I can't call by name right now. There's many others that are sick, fighting COVID and just, uh, Lord, viruses. And bless, Lord, that you touch them as well and heal. And we'll be faithful, Lord, to give you the credit, honor, and the glory. And we want to tell you we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And if you're able, please stand one more time. 
as we sing at Calvary. Luke 22:33 says, "When they were come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him." At Calvary. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free, pardon there was multiplied to Or afternoon, whatever it is, I still haven't figured it out. I'll figure it out by next week when it's actually morning. <laughs> Take your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter number 4 this morning. Matthew chapter number 4 comes right after Matthew chapter number 3. So if you find that, you'll be right there. Matthew 4 this afternoon. Uh, we're going to be looking today as we've been preaching this month and looking at this whole vision month. And as you can tell, we've been literally preaching through these banners that are that are there behind me beside you to your right to your left somewhere only place you don't have them is up on the ceiling but just wait till next year no just just kidding it's okay it's okay right I, we'd vote on it first yeah right <laughs> no uh but this this morning we're going to be looking at our last one which is outreach today what it means to have genuine outreach but i want to begin today by um by first reading the scripture we're going to read matthew chapter 4 Verse 18 through 22. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. He saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Let us pray. Our Father, we come to you. And Lord, I want to thank you for the, the songs and the worship that has already been lifted this morning. I want to thank you for the reading of your word. And Lord, that you have spoken clearly through your word. And God, I pray that you would help me now, Lord. I pray, God, that you would fill me. Open up my, my mouth, God, that you might speak what, what needs to be said today. Lord, allow me just to be, 
to be used as a tool and a vessel. God, I pray that every heart here today would have soil that is prepared to receive your word. And God, that we would see you give an increase and, and bear fruit, Lord, for your name and your glory's sake. God, I pray that you would help us to get a hold of the truths that are found here, God, that we would be chastened and convicted, but as well as encouraged at the work that you can do and are still doing and will always do upon every heart that hears the word that you have given. God, I pray that you would help us now and have your will in your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord for a song that says, Go and tell. Now, I believe that's firmly what Jesus has told his disciples to do, to go and tell. Notice that Jesus never says, go and just see if they might want to come to church. Go and ask him real nicely to come to Friends Day. Go and ask him real nice to maybe come to the Pack a Pew Day. And, and you might have those, and those might be just fine and well. But Jesus does not tell us to go and ask them to come. He tells us to go to them. Believe that there is something that we have missed over the past few decades, and unfortunately what has died over the past two years is the going of the Christian life. We have ceased to exist the Christian life as we are meant to, and we have shut down because we are afraid more of things that we cannot see than the God that we will see who has commanded us to go. I want you to know it is not a pastor or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher that says, it'd be nice if you invited somebody to church. It is the Lord God, the one that they just sang about, the one that we just spent time worshiping, and the one that we are still to worship right now in our hearts as we hear his word, the one who said he is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and end, the first and the last. He's the one who is. He is. I am. As Jesus said in his own day, that before Abraham was, I was. I am. It always has, always will be. If Jesus saying go is not enough, then no matter what I say, no matter how I try to might. Uh, get a hold of your emotions or your heart. I cannot change it. If Jesus saying, go to the world and proclaim the gospel and preach his message, if that is not enough, then there is nothing else that I can do. If Jesus' own words and Jesus' own command cannot stir your heart, then I may as well get on down because there's nothing else I can do. I, I cannot and will not try to manipulate your emotion, your heart, or your feelings to try to guilt trip you into serving Jesus. Either you love Jesus enough to serve him, or you don't. And I'm talking about my own heart this morning. If I had a nickel for every time I failed to obey the Spirit of God who said to go or open up your mouth, I'd have a lot of nickels. <laughs> Far too many to count. We, as Christians, spend so much of our time saying, God, give me an opportunity to be used. God, give me an opportunity to be used. And the opportunity is there every time our heart beats and every time there is air within our lungs, every time we see a soul that is just like us that is passing through this life and going to one of two places, either to a, a literal hell or a literal heaven to be with our Lord, and we say no. We have every excuse in the book, and I make up more excuses than you probably got. If you ask me, I'll probably tell you some excuses. But the truth is, we have no excuse. The truth is that one day, I'm going to stand before my Savior, and I will have nothing to show by going, but Lord, remember that day though at the, at the supermarket, at Food Line, and I was checking out, I was in a hurry, I was just trying to get home with my milk and my bread to beat the snow. I didn't have time to tell this poor soul about you, even though, the, the, even though you had said, I just didn't have time, Lord. 
No, but maybe for all of eternity, they might spend the rest of their time in a literal hell. And I believe the reason why that we don't reach out or have outreach or have true outreach in our own lives that is genuine and not just a, an occasional going, well, hey, come to church. We're having a potluck. I'm talking about the daily life of not just sharing church, but sharing Christ. And yes, there is a difference. I want you to invite people to church. Why wouldn't I? But, but if you don't invite another soul to this church, but all, you tell people about Jesus, I will be even more happy. I am firmly convinced that, that if we tell people about Jesus and we tell people how to get to heaven, God's going to tell people how to get to our church. The issue is that we are more afraid and far too uncomfortable to tell people about coming to our church, let alone about coming to Christ. And the issue is our own hearts. We have adopted at the beginning of this year our mission, which is to know Christ and make Him known. But unfortunately, in our circles, we love to know Christ and then to not tell anybody about Him. We love to know Him and then to know more about Him and to have a big head and an empty heart and then to check mark all of our boxes and say, I must be good because of X, Y, and Z. Look what I know about God. We might know and have the biggest brains that there, that there is theologically in this church, but if we have an empty heart that does not care that souls are dying and going to hell, then we have nothing. And we have a bunch of knowledge that we're not putting to use. Knowledge becomes wisdom when we put it to use. I used to hear the saying, knowledge is power. Well, it's only powerful if we share it. We have the greatest news that there ever has been. And anytime you and I get news like we got rid of a hangnail or gout, we're ready to scream it from the rooftop. Praise God. And praise the Lord for those things. But we have the key to every heartache, to every ailment, to every sin that there is. And it is not a self-help book. It is not a self-help religion. As a matter of fact, it, is a, it has already been finished and accomplished on our behalf through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And all that we are called to do is to simply, as we're going to see today, cast out the net of the gospel and to trust and to pray and to keep on casting and to keep on casting. Is there any, anybody that fishes? Wouldn't call yourself fishermen, but you go fishing. Anybody? Okay, all right. Okay, once in a while. It's been a little bit for myself, but normally when you go fishing, you plan out a little bit of time, don't you? Right? You know, I'm going fishing, right? And you might not even say where you're going because you don't want nobody to know, and you're definitely not going to tell anybody if you've got your little honey hole, right? Whether it's a real honey hole or not. You want to make sure you get away, and what are you going to do? You're going to cast out. You might even, I know those guys who've got two, three, four, five poles you know, lines in the water and stuff, but we can't do three or four or five things, you know, at the house. But we, we can put that many poles and we can take care of that, right? When come fishing time, we can multitask, right? All right, we'll, we'll be catching with every, every limb we got. But what happens? Do you cast out one time and wait about 30 seconds and then go, well, nothing happened. I'm going to reel it in and go home. I'm going to call it a day. No. Ask your wife. When you go fishing, you ain't coming back till you're done. Until you caught something that's that big and you say it's that big. And it's going to take all day, either one for you to catch that fish or for you to come up with a lie about how you caught that fish, one or the other. It takes time and it takes a continual consistency of casting. You see, then we also talked about our vision. And it is as follows that Victory Way strives to be a unified body of believers who daily, you know, I think we need to get a hold of that word daily, 
seek to glorify God in our community through genuine worship, discipleship, fellowship, which you've talked about, and outreach. What is outreach? I believe we have to define it. We have to understand it. It is reaching out. There you go. That's it. It is not an inward focus. It is not, by the way, trying to get more people that are just like you and me or just a part of our family or just the ones that we like to come here and fill up more space on the pew with us. This is about souls. This is about heaven. This is about hell. This is about the eternal things. This is not about making sure that we have the biggest clubhouse in the town because churches ain't clubhouses, nor are they supposed to be. This is to picture the body of Christ because it is the body of Christ. This is no game. Souls are on the line here. And if we're going to be honest and say that we're going to daily seek to worship God and be His disciples and to have fellowship with one another to do to glorify Him, we must also as well say that daily we're going to reach out in our community. You know the best person that can reach your family is you, not Pastor Joe. You know the best one that can reach your, your spouse or, or your kids? It's you that married them or birthed them, not Pastor Cho. Every one of you, and not just a pastor or a deacon or, or a missionary, is called to preach the gospel. Every single soul that is goes from being a fish and is saved to then being caught by God and by His grace now becomes a fisherman. Each one of you has the same net that I've got. The only difference is that God called me to be a pastor and not you, but God called you to do the same thing that I'm doing, and that is to cast out the net. To cast out the net when you're at work, to cast out the net when you're at home, to cast out the net in your quiet time, to cast out the net at Food Liner, at Dollar General, wherever you go, wherever you go, whenever you go, and as you go, to continuously be ready to fish. I know that there are probably some men who at any moment, at any given day, are ready to either go sit in the woods and hunt something or go sit by a, a piece of water and, and throw a line in. But yet I know even fewer that are more willing at any day, any moment to share the gospel. Outreach doesn't just happen because the church plans it. Outreach happens because you and I obey the Spirit and the command of God and His Word. It is literally reaching out with the Gospel to our community and in our daily life. It is finding the Gospel, which, by the way, is the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. The, the only way of salvation, the only means of salvation, the only hope of salvation, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that's the Gospel. The message of salvation. And we must find that woven throughout everything that we are, everything that we do, everything that we say, and everywhere that we go. The gospel must be your life as much as it must be mine. The gospel must be so focused and so saturated in us that if you were to be picked up and wrung out, that the gospel would just pour out. And especially in these dark days and these trying times, as it feels that the pressure is coming more and more upon the church of God, and which it is, and which it will continue to do so for every believer, and in every home, and every household, for every heart, that we must be so full of the gospel that no matter what comes, no matter where we are, that the gospel is on the, the tips of our tongues, on the front of our minds. It is there on our feet, carrying us about with purpose and a mission and a focus. It is to be the salt and the light so that others may see our good works and glorify our Heavenly Father through knowing Jesus, His Son. I would say this today. 
The spiritual temperature of every believer and of every church can be found in how serious they take worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. You want to know how you are spiritually? When was the last time that you shared Christ? Not church, Christ. When was the last time that you had genuine desiring to have fellowship with people and not just come in the back door, shake a hand, and slip back out again? To have no accountability, to have no real membership, and to just attend? When is the last time that you decided to actually be a disciple and to follow Christ no matter what, and then as well to do His real command, which is not just to go and, and throw a bunch of tracks in the air and see what happens, but rather to go and make disciples. That's the Great Commission, mind you. When was the last time that we had true worship where it was just us and God and we trembled before Him? We trembled before His very presence, but yet so thankful within our heart that we could even be in His presence without, without facing death or wrath. When is the last time? You see, a church or a believer that does not share Christ will be judged by that same Christ. The same Jesus that they just sung about in, in Revelation chapter 1 who says all those things then goes on in the next two chapters to literally have messages to seven literal churches of the literal day and age as well as pointing, of course, to the future and really a means of how every church and every believer can get it sometimes. And he goes on to tell them these things and to literally say, if you don't get this right, I will remove your candlestick. And we've talked about that recently. And that literally means I'm going to shut you down. Because you're not glorifying me, you're not reaching out, you're not serving your purpose, you are existing as a club. I don't want more people to join a club, I want people to know Christ. I want myself to know Christ and I want to know Him more. So that then we might make Him known more. And don't think for a moment that in this town or in this county that there are enough gospel preaching churches that are sound in doctrine and in faith. I do not think that there are enough folks who just because they can tell you that Jesus was maybe uh, born, at least we celebrate on Christmas, and, and then raised again on Easter and say, well, that must mean that they're saved because there's plenty of folks who have read the Bible and know all the stories, but yet they still don't know Jesus. And that's what separates the real faith, the real believers, the real disciples from those who just played church. We don't need to play anything. We need to surrender to Christ. And now as we come today to these verses, this is known, of course, as Jesus is literally calling His disciples of which would, would walk with Him. And I want to look, first of all, at the biblical picture here of these verses. The biblical picture. As we look at genuine outreach, we have to first of all look at this place that is mentioned here to help us with the context of understanding the, the seriousness of this call. In verse number 18, the place here, it says, that Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. This sets up everything that we need to know here. Now, first of all, the Sea of Galilee. Anyone ever been there? All right, me neither. It's a, it's a sea called Galilee, all right? Let's look. And there's several other names that were, is referred to in the Gospels. It is referred to as the Lake of Gennesaret in Matthew 14.34, which is named from a, a plain that was on the northwest shore of the sea. It was also referred to as the Sea of Tiberias, which was a city built on the southwest shore, uh, according to John chapter 6, verse 1. 
The sea itself is like a large lake, small ocean, somewhere in between. It doesn't know exactly what it is. It's just a big old body of water. But it's about 13 miles by about 8 miles or so. And it's 682 feet below sea level. All right? So a little bit lower than, than us. All right? Just like going down the mountain. It's like Mount Airy. <laughs> all right? <laughs> Covered in water. All right? But because of its location, because of its circumstances, it was subjected to very violent storms and winds, which, of course, you can read about in the Gospels. And we see that this same Jesus is about to call these disciples would be perfectly fine sleeping in the boat while the storms rage. He would be perfectly fine walking on those stormy waters as his disciples, who are trained fishermen who literally spent all their time in the middle of these storms, in the middle of this lake, are scared to death, and he's just taking a stroll. This place would, would uh, have such a, an impact in his ministry, in the life, and in the Gospels. And certainly here, because we find that this is what God is going to use to call some of the first disciples, but it is well going to be the, the biblical picture of what it means to reach out. What it means to be a fisherman of the faith. We also find that on the western shore, there were nine different towns, and one of them was Bethsaida. And Bethsaida may be freely translated as Fishtown. That's like Hillsville, right? Hills, fish, town. Y'all get it? Y'all tracking with me? I know it's late in the afternoon, okay? We also find, though, in this verse, it's Simon and Andrew, and throughout the Gospels, they are from there, but would then make Capernaum their, their home base of operations, if you will. But the fish there provide jobs, provide resources, and a, a way of life for the whole area and its people. It would be like if we go a little further west and we get into the coal mines, right? The whole town is centered around, you guessed it, the coal mines. All right, this would be if you go to a port city somewhere. Everything is based on the port, either the trade or the fishing. All right, and we see how this is based. It means everything. Fishing is their life. And I know that there's many who would call themselves fishermen today, and you would say fishing is your life. You put up bumper stickers, and we got the tackle box and everything. But for them, really, fishing was their life. It's how they provide it for their families. It's what they did. I don't know if they even got tired of it and they didn't even do it in their pastime or for fun. I don't know. But I do know that it meant everything to them. I remember going to a funeral years ago. I was very young in ministry and still am. But this is very early on and I, we attended a funeral for someone. Large gathering, lots of people. And I remember distinctly that in order to celebrate this man's life and death, that everyone that could attend that were fishing buddies brought their bass boats. And I remember that everyone wore their fishing shirts and their sunglasses up top that's got that one, you know that one, y'all know because half y'all got them, right? And I remember the whole service talking about how much he loved fishing, how kind he was, how good he was, how much he loved his family, and, and don't forget how much he loved fishing, how much he loved that boat that was out there getting hauled around. But never a mention of Christ. Ne never a mention about a, a love for the Lord or a love for church or a love for the things of God. What's quite sad is that there are many, maybe even in here today, who at your funeral, unless I preach it, will have the same thing said. I want you to know that church membership is not something that's going to get you out of hell and get you into heaven, nor is it something that just because it, it runs in the, in the newspaper 
that it's going to give you any extra credit. Nor is being a good fisherman going to do anything for you. Nor is being a good anything in this life going to do anything for you when it comes to standing before God. What matters is not if we were good earthly fishermen or good welders or good at sports and throwing a ball. What will matter when you stand before God is if you know Him and if He knows you. And it will all be not because of your good works or because of your good deeds. I don't care how nice you were to your family. It will be if you have turned from your sins, repented, and trusted in Jesus and Jesus alone. And by the way, I might not have a chapter and verse, but I don't see bass boats and fishing and dirt roads in heaven. I find streets of gold and I find all the attention upon not everybody else, but upon the one who has the scars that bought our freedom who sits upon a throne and rules forever. And so shall he ever. But the people here mentioned Peter and Andrew. You can vice versa say Simon and Peter, Simon, Peter, Peter, Simon. But Peter and Andrew here, full-time fishermen. They're also partners with the Zebedees. We can find that over in Luke chapter 5, verse 10. Look at this. It says that... Simon, he called Peter and, and Andrew's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. You know what fishers do? They fish. You guessed it, all right? Good job. If you got that right, I'll give you a gold star sticker on the way out, okay? Fishers fish. This is their life by trade, and they're good at it. They've got partners. They're constantly fishing, and really look at this. They're actively fishing, and they're fully engaged in their life's work. When Jesus passes by them, there are many a soul today that you might be very busy with your life's work. You might be very busy trying to make a buck, make a dollar, make a name for yourself in this world. But I tell you right now, Jesus is passing by in this place today. And I would tell you today that he is calling you not to do your best and just to be something great in this world. He's calling you to something higher. He is calling you to something greater. He's calling you to something with more of a purpose. That means while you're doing whatever you're doing, whatever your trade is, whatever your job is, He's calling you to catch some fish while you do it. He's calling you to serve Him. And there is no higher calling. There is no higher purpose. This casting a net phrase is very important here. It shows that they are very intentional with it, and it shows that they are continuously doing so. It is casting, drawing it in, Casting, drawing it in, casting, drawing it in, so on and so forth. As one commentator puts it and describes here historically for us, they didn't have a, a nice little Zebco out there, all right? They didn't have an ugly stick. They didn't have the bass boat. They had ships, and they were good at it. But instead, what they had was a, a net that was circular with weights on the edges. And then it would be thrown down on the surface of the water. And then as the, the weight sink, it would enclose the fish as the weighted edges come together. And they pull in the fish and they unload. And guess what? They, they do it again until they have their catch. And they go in, they sell it, they eat it. They do the whole thing to make their money and make their living. And if you remember another time in the Gospels, we find that as Jesus is passing by and, and calls them, Hey, you got any fish? And they say, we've been fishing all night. We ain't got nothing. He says, well, did you try the other side? You can almost imagine the thoughts running through their mind. Professional fishermen, you try the other side. Sure enough, they do. And they catch so much that the boat begins to sink. I want you to know here, this is what's important. Look, look at this. 
The important part is not that Peter and Andrew are, are good at physically being fishermen. It's not that they're uh, so good at continuously casting and not giving up. But the, the great importance here is not about who they are and their skills. It is about Jesus and that he has called them. Look at verse 19. And he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, this phrase is going to be used all throughout the Gospels to call disciples. And by the way, it's the same call today. The call to discipleship is to follow Christ. Not just to follow Him on a Sunday morning, but it's to follow Him in every aspect of every day. Regardless of what you do and where you go, it is where He leads, I will go. Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He doesn't say, hey, fellas, you want to talk about maybe the prospect of getting no money and following me around for the next three years and then watching me be crucified? And then you, for yourself, some years later after preaching my message, for you then to be killed? No, he just says, follow me. The rest is <laughs> the, the small print that they don't know yet. But what they don't know yet is to simply say yes to following Jesus will lead to something far greater than catching all the fish in the Sea of Galilee. To, to follow Jesus is far greater than to be known as the greatest fisherman in all of Israel. To follow Jesus is what really makes you a man. To follow Jesus is what really makes you a woman who knows and, and loves God. Following Him is what's going to separate your family who knows Christ and, and has generation of following Jesus and, and being used for Jesus and His glory in this community as we've talked about and the difference between that and just going to church or barely getting by. To follow me literally means to a call to lasting association, attachment, and discipleship. But he doesn't stop there. He then says, and I will make you fishers of men. They've been casting a net for a long time. And they're good at it. And they've thrown that net. And they've only ever caught fish in the Sea of Galilee. And now they're being told they're going to go catch men. You can only imagine what they're thinking, what that even looks like. But I believe somewhere in there they know that this is something higher and much more important and purposeful than catching fish. What Jesus is calling them to is to go and be used of God to go catch the fish of men. That the men who are then illustrated as fish, to catch them in the net with the gospel, to snatch them up from the flames of hell, which are very literal and very real, but we've forgotten about those. I believe if we would maybe look down for just a moment, if we could maybe even peer down for just even half a second glance at the, the fires of hell today, we just might care about souls. And if we could look up and catch a half a glance of the glories of heaven, we just might care a little bit more and be stirred within our heart that Christ is worthy. That there is hope, that there is a future, that there is peace, that there is someone who has not just called us, but enables us and empowers us to then go for Him. We just might take this Christianity thing a little bit more serious. I will make you fishers of men. In Jesus, there is a greater position and purpose than the world can ever offer. I will tell you today that souls are much more urgent than your job. Souls are much more urgent than your bank account. Souls are much more urgent than your preferences when it comes to being in the house of God. 
Souls are much more important than anything that you can possibly name. Soul matters. As we look at this, as we've been talking about our mission, our vision, uh, the, the plan and the purpose, our, our mission statement acts as our purpose, to know Christ and to make Him known. And our vision statement has acted as our plan to accomplish this as we're moving forward for the Lord. In this, we find that, that genuine worshipers then become genuine disciples, and genuine disciples then have genuine fellowship, and those who have genuine fellowship then participate in genuine outreach. It doesn't stop because these things, worship, discipleship, and fellowship can be so inward that we forget that outreach is outside of these walls. It's the people that we don't even like. But those are the same people that Jesus died for. It's for the drunk. It's for the religious elite. And it's for everyone that finds himself somewhere in between. There's not a soul that we are not called to go and to reach and to cast a net. There's not a single soul that we are not told to go and to proclaim Christ to. And there is not a single soul that is so far gone that God cannot save. All of this will truly fulfill the daily bringing glory to God. Now their answer is important. And the same for you and I today. We have an option today. Preaching calls us not just to point and look and see what the Scripture means, but it calls us to then obey it. To not just be hearers, but doers. Today, I'm not calling you to be able to rattle off what outreach is. I'm calling you in my own heart to then do the same. To actually reach out. Their answer is important. It says, And straightway left their nets and followed Him. It doesn't say what they said or if they said anything at all, but it does say they dropped their nets, which was their whole life. And they dropped their way of making money. They dropped everything that they had ever known, that had ever meant anything to them. And they followed Him. No longer were they known as Peter and Andrew the fishermen. They were known as Peter and Andrew, the disciples of Jesus. I want you to know the greatest thing that you could ever be called, the greatest thing that you might ever be known for, is not being the best this or the best that of this world. It is simply to follow Jesus. And it doesn't matter what the world thinks of you. It doesn't matter where the world ranks you on their system. Because the Lord God knows you and He knows your heart. And that is far greater than anything else. Straightly they left their nets. To, to leave, or that word left, literally means that they abandoned what they were doing. They had abandoned everything that they had built their life on. The follow here is then that they accompany Jesus to walk behind Him, to walk with Him wherever He goes. <clears throat> Outreach is much more than saying words. It brings about action. A total change of your life. Why do you exist? You don't exist for your purposes. You don't exist for your bank account. You don't exist to pay the bills and it just exists. You must live for the glory of God and for His calling, which is not just upon my life, but upon yours as well. I would bet and say today that if we were to look around and see every empty space that is in here today, it would be much more filled if we would be much more filled of the Spirit of God and would go as He has called us to go. If we would be a little bit more surrendered to Christ, if we would be a little bit more willing to drop down our nets, to drop down our preferences, to drop down our own way of thinking, and to simply follow Jesus wherever He would lead, to do whatever He would say to do, 
and to preach to whomever He would say to preach to. James and John then says in verse 21, And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. James and John, the son of Zebedee, are also successful. As we talked about, they, they are partners and apparently very successful. Many people think that the disciples just came from nothing, were nothing, had no money, uh, were just ignorant. That's, that's baloney. These people, when Christ called them to follow Him, they cost them something. And the problem with Christianity today is it costs us nothing. It costs you nothing to come to church except for a little bit of time. It costs you nothing to, to just merely attend and to maybe sing a little bit or to tip God a little bit in, the, in an offering plate. But it will actually cost you something to follow Jesus. And American Christianity today does not want to follow Jesus. We just want church. We want to worship Him how we want to worship Him. We want to be His disciples as long as it's comfortable. We want to have fellowship as long as it's with those that are just like us. And we want to outreach as long as it means that it's inward focus. And that it won't cost us or make us uncomfortable by either hurting our wallets or giving us an awkward moment of our day to ask someone about their eternity. Christianity is not meant to be lived on your terms because Christianity lived on your terms is no longer Christianity. It's idolatry of the heart. And you have and I have no right to tell God how we will worship, how we will follow Him, how we will have fellowship, nor how we will outreach. He has already told us. We also find that these sons, as Jesus says the same thing that is implied here, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. They left their father, though, with hired servants. In Mark chapter 1, verse 20 is what it tells us. So clearly they're doing pretty good in their business. They say, see you, Dad. He said to go follow him. That's where I'm going. We don't know what old Dad says, but Dad's got a hired servant. And they're going, well, we'll bring in the fish. And now these men are changed forever. They've given up a lot. I want to ask you, what have you given up for a soul? What's a soul worth to you? You tell me the price of a soul. You tell me the price of outreach. The, the, the price of outreach is not what we put in a proposed budget, by the way. If we were to scrap half the stuff we do for ourselves and to put it towards our community, we just might see some change if we were to, to scrap our need to try to be comfortable and instead replace it with it going towards the gospel being promoted and proclaimed throughout all the world and especially within our own local community and we were to be the ones to do it, it would change everything. It would change the way we do church. It would change the way that we think. It would change the way we feel about church. It would change the way that we do everything about our life. For us, we would say immediately the most spiritual answer that there is and say if we were to actually answer this place, what does a soul cost you? What is a soul worth you? You would say, oh, it, it's, it's priceless, brother. It's priceless, dear pastor. Is it? May we have that same sort of attitude when we're inconvenienced with a conversation with a stranger we don't even want to talk to who happened to say, hey, how you doing? And now we have an opportunity to share the gospel with them, but we just don't want to. 
Let's reevaluate our hearts there. And then in that moment when we walk away from that soul that we know we're supposed to tell, and we know, and you know when you know, let's not pretend we don't. And on the way out the door or on the way back into our cars, we can tell God how much that soul really means. I can tell you how much that soul means. That soul means so much that God Himself would send His Son, His only Son, His Holy One, the Holy One, that He would be born into this world that from the very time He's born would be despised and rejected. What would be having those in authority and power attempt to try to rid Him and to kill Him, to snuff Him out? That even His own disciples at times would try to keep Him from going to the cross? That Satan himself would try to do the same by tempting him and, and everything that he could to have anyone come against him. Everything that, that could possibly happen, humanity tried to get Jesus to, to go, but to not go to that cross. But instead, Jesus goes to that cross. He doesn't do it for any crime that he's ever done, but he does it for every ounce of crime that you've ever committed against God. And yes, that's what your sin is. You've offended a holy and a righteous God and you have nothing to stand on. You have nothing to offer Him except for the blood of Jesus. And Jesus there on that cross, He has many things that He says, many things that He cries out. And not one of them was, I'm done, they're not worth it. This costs too much, Father. No. No, instead He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. With one last cry, it is finished and it is but if you and I were finished we'd be dead and gone and in glory and we're not therefore our job to cast the net is not finished it is only just begun whether you've been saved for a minute whether you've been saved for 80 years you are not done proclaiming the gospel the sad truth is that many have known Jesus longer than I've been alive and have never once shared him the next time you have good news, keep it to yourself unless you're willing to share the good news of Christ. Don't tell another soul about how anything good happened to you unless you were able to tell the old, old story. We sing those songs, don't we? Oh, we'll sing them in church. I love to tell the story. But we don't. I love to tell the old, old story what Jesus has done for me, but, but no, we don't. You see, the picture here that God gives to us is that Jesus gives a higher calling and a higher purpose. That Jesus Himself is worth more than anything. He's worth more than all the fish in the Sea of Galilee. He's worth more than every, everything that you can possibly get in this world. Jesus is worth more. And our American selves don't like it. We'll, we'll say yes and we agree in our minds because we know it's true, but our hearts don't want to submit to Scripture because it just might mean that Jesus might look at us and say, sell what you got and give to the poor. And we'd say, "Go, come again? I'll go to church, God. I'll do that. Isn't that enough? You can go to church and still not be a part of the church. You can go to church and still not be the church. And we're called to be the church, not play church. This isn't playing house. To be the church of God is to be the hands and feet of God in this world and to reach out and to cast the net of the gospel. Jesus desires our full commitment and effort in following Him. 
We don't need half-hearted followers. To follow Him halfway is to not follow Him at all. As we talked about, to worship Him halfway is no worship at all. What makes us think that outreach would be the same? You might say, well, I, I, I give money, which goes to the church, which goes to the missions, therefore it's like I'm giving the gospel. No. No, you're doing what you're called to do as far as giving so that others may go throughout the world. We're called to support missions, praise God. However, you yourself, lest you and I forget, are also called to be missionaries. You know how the gospel got spread in the book of Acts? Not just because everybody said, well, let's take him to Peter and we'll have one big old church service and Peter will get him saved. Peter couldn't save nobody. It's the Spirit of God. But you know what they did? They went. You notice, y'all ever heard of the Philippian jailer? Anybody? Don't make me preach a second sermon this morning. I'll do it. Okay. All right, the Philippian jailer Everything goes bad in his life real quick and he's about to end his own life out of fear of what he's about to face. And instead, he says to, to, to them there, as the, the gate's been broken down and these, these prisoners are free, he says, how can I be saved? And they say, repent and trust Jesus. And then a few verses later it says, he and his household, you know how his household got saved? Because he got saved. Not because they somehow inherited his salvation, but because he went and said, look at what Christ has done. Here's who Jesus said. He, he saved me. He'll save you too. I believe firmly that if we got that down, our homes would be changed. You men, you husbands, you fathers, if you got that, if Jesus was all the world to you, it just might start to mean something to your wives and kids. Now we find the biblical practice. There's two things and we'll be done. Biblical practice of genuine outreach, first of all, begins with casting. Casting. Notice, Peter and Andrew, casting, it's in the present, meaning it, they're casting, and it's what they're doing. It's who they are. What's implied then, we see in verse 21, that, that the Zebedees, they're men in their nets. From either just finishing up casting... Or they're getting ready to go back out and do it again. There's many who would say, and I firmly am one who believe in the sovereignty of God and salvation, but there are many who say, well, if God knows, then we don't have to go. I want you to know this. God is sovereign. He knows the waters. He knows the fish. And He knows the fishermen better than we do. And yes, it is certainly God and his, through His Spirit, through His Word that catches the fish. However, God is not only sovereign, but God is ascending God. He has sent you and I to cast the net. There is not a single preacher, there's not a single saved person that can save anybody else. I don't care what kind of repeat a prayer garbage you do, what kind of easy believism you do, you cannot save anyone, but what you certainly can do is do some harm. You can certainly give some false assurance, and some false hope, and some false salvation. Only God can truly save, but it's always been the same. Repentance and faith. The message has never changed, nor has the way in which we cast the gospel should change. God sends us. He catches, but He sends us to cast. 
This is where God's sovereignty and man's responsibility meet. And we must respond. If we believe that God is sovereign, we must as well believe that He has sent us to go. And yes, He has. God uses man to do this great work. This is both an honor and a responsibility. And I believe that we forget that it's an honor to serve God and we often just grudgingly do it. And we forget that it's responsibility and that we can't just shuck it off on the preacher or our missionaries. God may be the one who catches, but He entrusts us with the net. You realize that you, if you are saved today, have the greatest, not story, but the greatest account, the greatest news. You have literally the words of life inside of you. The same spirit that Peter and, and Andrew and, and James and John would have is the same one that you have. We can give the excuse of, of, of but, but, but I get scared or I don't talk good or, or what if they say something that I don't know, then be brave enough to say, I don't know the answer, but I, I know who does God and His Word. You can make every excuse as to why you're not qualified to cast a net, but if you're saved, you're therefore qualified. If you're not casting, it's not because God doesn't want you to cast, it's because you've chosen not to cast. It's because you are in actual open rebellion against God. He has taken you from just being a fish in the sea that He has saved to being a fisherman, and if you're not casting, you have said, God, I just thanks for saving me and all, but I'm just not, it's not my thing. I'm just not comfortable with it. And the studies show, and if you were to actually talk, and if we were to be real, real honest with ourselves, most of us in here have either one, never shared our faith, two, make every excuse in the book not to share our faith, or three, we just think, well, well that's, for, that's for the higher up Christians. That's for the ones that are really good at this, being a Christian. I'm just okay at it. I'm not even that okay. It's not. God and His sovereignty has trusted you with the net. We sang earlier, and we were all hopeful and all jovial that Jesus is coming again. Woo! And hallelujah, Jesus is coming again. And if He came today, I'm afraid that He would find most of His fishermen with their nets cast aside. And we'd have our cell phones out. We'd have Facebook open. We'd be talking to our friends or eating a, a bucket of chicken, but we wouldn't be casting a net. I hope that God finds me if He were to come back today with a heart and a mind and a life that says, reel it in. Cast. and Reel it in. And I know that many of us might be awful weary at times I'm going, I've, I've cast, and I ain't caught nothing in a long time. You know, they call it fishing and not catching. They call it hunting, not killing. I trust God to catch fish, but He trusts me to cast the net. And the great news is this, I know that wherever there is life, right now, by God's grace, He is saving souls. And my weariness or my lack of seeing these things does not give me the right to say, well, I'm done casting because it's, it's apparently not working. Most of us are casting at our feet 
and not even going where the fish are. When's the last time you got your feet wet? When's the last time you went where the fish were? You ain't going to catch a fish sitting on the couch. Not going to catch a fish minding your own business at Food Line. You're not going to catch a fish if you don't ever cast the net. There's many, many a missionary who have been labeled as heroes of missions who went and spent a whole lifetime of ministry to not have one convert. But then the next one came to take their place after they had passed. Fish everywhere. Revivals and souls aplenty. Was that first person a successful fisherman? You betcha. Not because they caught the most fish, but because they kept casting. God will bless faithfulness, and if I don't, and if you don't see loads of fish in our nets every time we cast, maybe even every 30 times or 100 times we cast, I know this, that God is still catching plenty of fish out there. And I know this, that God will look down and will see that we were faithful enough just to simply cast and to say, well done, a good and faithful servant. But God will bless. This is God's mission. God is still saving souls. God does a work in that water long before we go a-casting. God does a work in our own heart to even get us to cast. And I believe that's what we need a little bit more of today. We don't need to pray for God to give us more opportunities. We need for God to convict us, to humble us, so that we might be willing to actually start saying yes to God. I'm so tired of praying for opportunities when I have them all the time just to not use them. I want to pray that I would be obedient to the Spirit. That I wouldn't just look for the open opportunity, but I'd go make that opportunity. I'd go find the fish and I'd go where they are. And I'd cast the net and keep casting. Keep casting this gospel net. Keep trusting God to bring the fish in. And by the way, we don't need to change the net. We don't need to add glitter to the net. I've fished before and I'm not good at it, like most of y'all. If you don't believe that, look at your wife. She will tell you if you're good at it. Okay. And what happens is we'll, we'll cast that cast that spinnerbait out and we'll, we'll bring it in a few times. We'll cast, well, this one's... So guess what? I'll go to the tackle box and I'm going to try something that's shinier, bigger, and prettier. I used to say, the bigger the hook, the bigger the fish. It's not true. <laughs> it don't work that way. Churches, pastors, believers have, for decades now, and even longer than that, have said, we need to just make our net prettier. And then maybe they'll come. We need to make the net or the we need to make that bait taste a little bit better. No. Y'all have seen you can cast 
right next. You could be looking at a fish in a little hole. And you can throw something, drop it down right next to it. And if that fish ain't biting, I don't care. That fish ain't going to bite. Unless you jump down in that water and try to wrestle that thing, put it in a headlock, it ain't coming. What we need is what God has already given. What we need is to believe once more in evangelism that God's Word is enough and that the Spirit that was there on the day of Pentecost is still the same Holy Spirit that is still mighty and able to convict and to save sinners. What we need to believe is that faith is still just enough to save a soul and not works. What we need to do once more is to believe that God can and that God will. What we need to do once more is to simply and our worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach is to simply get back to believing God. If there has ever been a famine of faith, it's today. We do church. We do the church things. But to do church things without faith is to just do a club. It's not to fulfill the mission of God to know Him, to make Him known. It's not to give glory to God. Today as we bring this to a close, you know in your heart already if you need a touch of God. Right now, I'm probably looking at a bunch of other fishermen who have left their net at home most days and haven't thrown that thing in the water in a long time. But what I'm also looking at is a lot of folks that God looks down and says, I want to use you. And I want to use you. And I want to use you. And I want to use you to cast my net. Would we be committed enough that if the Lord today audibly or would even open up this roof and say, follow me. To actually follow Him. Would we be committed enough to go where the fish are? Would we be immediately and urgently following Christ as these men did, willing to leave it all behind for the sake of souls, for the sake of catching and, and doing the will of God? Would we understand what it means, what it costs for a soul? May God help us to accomplish the mission by living our lives with the vision of genuine worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. May we get our feet and our nets wet again. Not just in these walls, but in our life. As we say every morning, Lord, I will follow you. God, give me the strength to cast the net and let me leave the results to you. But God, no matter what, just let me be faithful. Today, as we bring this to a close, let's all stand. If you have a need, first of all, if you need Jesus, if you need to be born again, come and let me take the Bible and show you Christ. Simply put your faith in Him and He will save you. But today, if you're one of those fishermen who hasn't been fishing in a while, I pray that the Holy Spirit get a hold of your heart and mind, that we might get back in the, in the water, we might cast the net, and trust our Lord 
And I believe firmly that God will bring in those fish. Would you come? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time and for this day that we could gather and we could worship you, Lord, while this weather has changed our plans, Lord, you certainly have still met with us. We thank you for that. God, we know that when we gather, you are here. When we scatter, you're with us still. God, help us be reminded that your presence with us is enough to carry us through this life, no matter what our burden might be, no matter what the situation might be, and Lord, as well, your presence and command and your worth enough is enough, Lord, for us to go and to cast our nets. God, I pray that now you would prepare our hearts, Lord, as we go from this place, God, that we would be changed by your word, and Lord, that we would be empowered by your spirit, and that we would be choosing the spirit over the flesh. God, that we would be obedient to you and to your word. So, God, that we might glorify you and make your name known, not so that we would be known, not even that our church name would be known, but, God, that we would make you known. Lord, it is only you that can save, but God, you've called us and entrusted us, Lord, to be the ones to go fishing. Lord, help us to do so. 
Help us to rest and trust in your word and your promises. But God, help us as well to be, to be busy, to be found. If you were to come back today, God, to be found fishing, to be found in true, genuine worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach, God. We've said with our words that this is what we're surrendering to do. Ultimately, God, so that we might know you and make you known. But God, I pray that it would be our hearts and our lives that do the talking and not just our words only. God, that our hearts and our homes would be committed to you and God, that you would use us in a mighty way. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We ask for your blessing and for your safety. In Christ's name, amen. Close out with this song, Jesus' name above all names. Let thy name be magnified forever. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us, blessed Redeemer. missed.